Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Radiligion Broadcasting premiere podcast, Damn You Hollywood! And here's your host, what is he? He's an angry mob. Look at this corn! It's corn on the cob! Look at that guy! His name is Rob Burt Winfrey. And now here's your host... Robert Winfrey, yay! <laughs> the best part of video for me right at this point <laughs> is seeing the look of aneurysm and conniption, internal conniption you're having when I do stuff like that. You can see the, the skin best. just you can see the skin split and peel back away from my face, revealing just an angry skull. Yeah, I this is honestly it's the only reason I continue to do video at this point, and okay. the, and that Garmer makes me so. <sighs> I have to confirm, that's from some crappy My Little Pony song, right? It sure is, Binky. All right. Well, oh as, as was mentioned there by Mark, I'm Robert. This is Damn You Hollywood. Tonight we are reviewing Halloween Kills, the best commercial for mob violence and street <laughs> justice that I've seen since Beauty and the Beast. Rah, rah, we're an angry mob. Uh, so this is the follow-up to the 2016 or 18? 18. 18. Yeah, the 2000, yeah, the 2018 film Halloween that we covered here on this program. If you're interested in our thoughts on that particular film, feel free to go into the archives. Mark and I talk about it. It's a good time. Joining us on this particular episode, we have a couple of guests. First up, we had a long discussion at his prompting and suggestion about Midnight Mass not that long ago. He is our resident. He is our resident starving artist, Benjamin J. Cologne. <laughs> How you doing, Ben? I'm not as starving as I was about ooh, 20 minutes ago. That's a good Just place to be. be. <laughs> and stepping in as well from the what is it? Second and short. He, he talks about fantasy yes. football. Jason Teasley. <laughs> yes, I talk about fantasy football. That that is a great description. For me, as you can get, Robert. He just got back from vacation, and he's choosing to spend that time with us. Well, I did see Mark on vacation. That's true. We all had dinner together. It was a lovely time. So, real quick, Ben, you hopped into an open spot on this podcast, you know, and I know you you spent the years in and out of the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network talking about horror. Talked a little bit about that on the Midnight Mass podcast. Specifically, what's your relationship to the Halloween franchise in 50 words or less? Um, yeah, I I think I jumped in like, you know, bad sequel first at some point when I was a kid into this franchise. And I <laughs> luckily, you know, all things considered, that's not a bad place to start because then you can move backwards to where it got progressively better and get back <laughs> to the original one and the original, you know, Halloween, which... Uh, yeah, I have visual aids with me because I, you know, because it's it's late. My imagination's on the blink. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I I love uh, you know Carpenter's original uh, Halloween. Um, I'm you know I'm, I came just I came prepared tonight for the uh, occasion. Um, that is a nice shirt. Where'd you get that? Uh, Alamo Draft House. Yeah, let's see if I can find one of those. It's very nice. I will actually also wore it to the uh, you know when I saw it in the theater at Alamo on Friday. It was a good time. My food came too late. I had to rush into eating it. Total tangent. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, John Carpenter in general. I, I I always like to say like John Carpenter made some kind of deal with the devil for like the murderer's row of movies he had between like '76 and around 1989 that started somewhere around Assault on Precinct 13 and ended somewhere around They Live and everything. Um, maybe not everything, but almost everything in between. And um, Halloween kind of got the ball rolling with that as far as him, you know, having a lot of mainstream uh, power to do to do that. Um, it's the do for that is everything after they live. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Isn't I it? have seen the ghosts of Mars. Mm, yeah, I've heard thing. I've heard something. I, I, I don't remember if I saw that. I'm going to if I haven't, I got to see it. If not, I got to if I've seen it, I got to rewatch it. Is the first one your most favorite Halloween, or is there another one that you like especially more? Objective. Well, I mean, we're all going to say like the the original one's the objectively the better one. Um, I was surprised by how much I really, really loved and have come to you know spend the last three years defending Halloween 2018. Okay. Um, which I I think I've mentioned to you guys like I, I thought that movie was better than it had any earthly right to be for a lot of very specific reasons that i'm sure we're going to get into uh in a little while robert um, what do you remember do you I mean, when we um as sort of a jumping off point into this new one um what do you remember about our review of halloween 2018 i think we were pretty kind to it i don't remember yeah, hating it that much we were mostly positive i mean mm -hmm. there's a minor pacing issue and some of the kills are decidedly uninventive mm -hmm. uh, i mean the creepiest mo one of the creepiest moments in that movie they gave away in the trailer, which is always unfortunate. But uh, when he stalks the guy in the bathroom stall and then just you see him like hold up his hand and drop it in a bunch of bloody teeth, just fall to the ground. Like it's, it's a great sequence. Mm -hmm. But I think the lack of inventiveness yeah. as far as that goes might have been kind of the extent of it. But, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis was awesome. Will Patton's pretty awesome. Uh, it was we were we were positive on the whole, I think I mean, uh, certainly trending that way. I mean, not effusive, but. Mm -hmm. So Jason, for you, um, and then we can just jump into the plot synopsis here. Um, where does the Halloween franchise rank for you in terms of like your favorite horror franchises? Like if you could just narrow down to your three desert island horror franchises, where does Halloween rank? Uh, definitely. Um, <clears throat> definitely in my top three. I, Halloween is a franchise that is unique uh because it goes all over the damn place uh quickly uh <laughs> and you know it but it always comes back to the original even so much we got the shitty um rob zombie remakes and reimagining yeah, be nice. that be nice to those uh, movies they're not that bad unfortunately I'm not saying yeah. Great, wait till I'm me and Mark have to review them here. Uh, I think it's next year. <laughs> hey, if you don't want to follow yeah, that I grenade, mean, I'll I talk about it. Actually, in, hey, I I like talking them because I like butchering them. 
Uh, there, there's some good parts about them, but not overall, they're not great. Um, but, I mean, there, there is some positives. Actually, I started the Halloween series from the beginning um, here recently, started yesterday. And I got up through, uh, I'm on the fourth installment of the regular lineage. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not bad. It's something I can pop in and just watch in the background while I'm working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's enjoyable. Uh, definitely the original is something I watch every Halloween. Uh, and the 2018 one has become a staple since its release. You know, it's kind of a complimentary piece that uh, we're watching uh, every year since its release. Robert, jump into that hot plot synopsis there for us. I'll see what I can do about heat. (laughs) So we initially pick up with um, uh, Allison's boyfriend, Cameron, as he is wandering, looking for a ride home after his big blow up with Allison that happened in the 2018 movie. Uh, He stumbles across his dead friend and then Will Patton, the wounded... uh, Deputy Hawkins, who survived his stab in the neck that uh, Michael Myers' new doctor gave him before sicking him on Laurie. And that's essentially the conclusion of the 2018 film. But uh, Hawkins survived. Uh, Cameron, after screaming for help along a lonely road for about three minutes before remembering he was on a cell phone, literally when we were introduced to him in this film and using it. Uh, we get a bit of a flashback then to the original, uh, Halloween, uh, so the original Halloween, we, we pick up right, essentially right after the original Halloween would have ended. And we see a young deputy Hawkins as he and some of the others are chasing Michael Myers through the streets of Haddonfield. They go to his house. There's some scares. His, uh, commanding officer, I think he calls him a Lieutenant at one point is assaulted. Myers is strangling him and. Poor young Will, uh, poor young uh, Hawkins, who's probably never discharged his firearm at anything other than a target at this point in his career, shoots his friend through the neck trying to shoot Michael Myers. Uh, Myers then kind of drops the dying body, heads out. He is arrested. Uh, he's detained out front of the out front of his house. We get a few other flashbacks from this character sprinkled in. I'll just do everything here. Uh, Myers is arrested by a bunch of police officers. Dr. Loomis is there, and Dr. Loomis goes to save everyone a bunch of problems and just shoot the guy in the head. But Hawkins, being a fine, upstanding young man who just shot his friend and decides, no, I will not, I don't want any more violence done today, stops him from summarily executing the deranged mental patient who just stabbed several people to death. And he is carted off to the asylum, and then, again, in 2018 is where we next pick up with him. So Hawkins feels a degree of guilt over this whole thing, because he probably could have stopped it from happening if he allowed extrajudicial islands to take place. Um, back Back in the contemporary timeline, we go to a bar where we see a few of the survivors of uh, the original Halloween celebrating themselves and toasting Laurie Strode, who is in the hospital now after having been stabbed by Michael Myers in the last movie. Uh, She is okay. They're able to rush her into emergency surgery, uh, save her life. Apparently he managed to stab her without hitting any vital organs, despite that knife going into the hilt. 
But so she's okay. Uh, around this time, the news of Michael having escaped starts breaking, and the town of Haddonfield decides that they've had enough. Uh, so they they have seen the beast in the magic mirror, and they have to sing a song about it now, and then march off to the castle. Uh, we, we, we get a slow kind of building mob throughout the course of this movie, led primarily by Michael C. Hall as the character of Tommy, uh, who was the boy that Laurie was babysitting in the original Halloween. So they start assembling, uh, again, they assemble a mob. They start perusing the streets, roaming, for, looking for him. Uh, they don't find him. Myers goes on a bit of a killing spree, per usual. There's some wonderfully inventive kills. Um, there's a bit of a debate about what Michael Myers is going to do with Laurie's daughter, Karen, believing that he's going to come to the hospital to kill Laurie. Uh, other people who have been tracking his progression of kills on a map go, oh, he's going back to his house. So we all wind up there for something of a final confrontation. Yeah, I'm gonna. There's not a lot of plot here, so just bear with me as I go as we go rather quickly through this. So a few of them show up at the old Myers place, which is now, which is currently ha inhabited by a lovely couple of men who Michael Myers violently murders. <laughs> and I'm a little bit bitter that the one they didn't let me watch him kill was Michael McDonald, because I hate that guy. I had flashbacks to Rampage when they spent all the when they went through the effort of putting Uriah Faber as one of uh, Joe Manganiello's uh, teammates, and they all get killed by the wolf. But I don't get to see Uriah Faber die on screen. Like, I, why would you do this to me? Let me watch the little bastard die. <laughs> Same thing here. Uh, McDonald is one of the most naturally unlikable actors, and I mean that as a compliment that exists. So, I, and I don't get to watch him violently murdered, and I'm sad. Uh, so a few of them show up there. Uh, this goes badly for pretty much everyone. Michael kills, uh, Cameron and Cameron's father. Uh, Allison gets thrown down a flight of stairs, badly injures her leg, but she is, uh, Michael is then lured out of, uh, away from Allison by Karen who steals his mask and lures him around into a trap where a bunch of the other vigilantes jump on him beat him he is stabbed repeatedly but as someone goes to put a bullet in his head the power of the shape kicks in and he revives himself murders all murders like the 20 people who are there kicking the crap out of him goes back into his house and is able and then stabs karen to death uh, while uh while jamie lee curtis and will Patton lament that if only we'd known then what we know now now, there's some context, there's some contextual things. Again, there's a whole subplot about the people of Haddonfield becoming more and more mob-like, and they actually drive one of the other escaped mental patients. The crash that released Michael Myers in the previous movie set free a couple of other escaped mental patients, and they think one of them's Myers, even though he isn't. And he is driven to commit suicide by jumping off of a, uh, out of the hospital window by the angry mob. Uh, so there's that kind of subplot, and then we're just basically left with the big sequel bait. We already know there's a sequel. It's going to be called Halloween Ends, and it's coming out in a couple of years. Next year. Yeah, next year in 2022. So 
very much and very obviously a middle movie of a trilogy, and that has positives and negatives. So, all right, Jason, I know you have things to say and places to be, so hit it. Bibble up, bubble up. Uh, just uh, the, this movie <laughs> definitely was a um, basically a filler movie for me. Um, it, it wasn't good. Uh, the the ending was absolute shit, in my opinion. It had a good build till then, but then when he hawks up and just basically uh, waves his finger and then uh, starts and, and it hurts inside, it all comes crashing down and hurts inside. <laughs> and then he starts, then he just like starts annihilating people just without any anything, which um, I don't know if it's been established in, in the lore anywhere I, I don't remember it right off. Is uh, somebody asked me when they was watching it, namely my wife. They said, um, "You know, how can he take all these beatings and stuff and not feel pain?" And you know, it, it poses the question: uh, Does he? Can he experience pain? Because there are people out there that is psychologically cannot experience pain. And that's somebody brought it up. That's why he basically can hawk up and, you know, take four chair shots to the head and, you know, keep going without no repercussions. But the story to this was definitely something. Um, the whole angry mob thing did not work uh, because, you know, in the end, Michael is just a man. He's not superhuman. He's not a mutant. He's not well, Colossus or the Juggernaut. That depends entirely right, on which yes. timeline and how far down you go. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know. I believe he's confirmed. You got the to curse be, of Michael Myers. You have, like, his entire thing is the shape in five, I think it is, when they go on with that. Yeah, those, that's, are not that's, content, those are not continuity in, in yeah. what we're talking about now. Are they? Yeah, I was just, I was just waiting. I was waiting for the thorn tattoo to show up somewhere, and you know, <laughs> have they, you not seen the five hundred graphics that people have done when they're not doing Marvel timelines, Marvel movie timelines? They're also doing Halloween timelines, and the arrow goes Halloween, Halloween two, what? Halloween twenty eighteen, Halloween kills, Halloween ends. They the um of Michael Myers trilogy, as it's called, is not currently in continuity yeah um but well, look fans this, can speculate all they placeholder want movie. <laughs> now the only thing that the the one thing that really got me and i i love the homage uh they did uh season of the witch uh reference that they made right in the middle uh with the with the mask i, I was waiting for a Silver Shamrock commercial to play in the background somewhere. If that would have happened, it would have been the greatest thing ever. But <laughs> this movie was not scary. It did not build any kind of um, dread or doom uh, or any suspense whatsoever. And I, it was just, it was blah. I mean, this is probably one of my worst. Halloween movies that I've watched, and that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot. I've I've watched the entire timeline, and this ranks pretty low. 
this was worse than Resurrection, in your opinion? Let's not go nuts. <laughs> well, Buster. <laughs> yeah, I said it ranked pretty low. I didn't say it was was uh, in absolute basement. dog shit. With, with with a with Buster Rhymes, uh, you know, Kung Fu Buster Rhymes. Uh, that that we do not we do not Who's acknowledge my that. Watch? Okay. Who's interrupting my watch, Chun Li? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> For more on yeah, that, um, yeah, that um, yeah, we Buster Rhymes versus Michael Myers. Um, yeah, that that's something that I'd I'd like to like to forget. And but thanks for bringing it back up into my memory. <laughs> Sorry, I'll shut up. Okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was it wasn't good. It was it was very it's low on the totem pole of the Halloween movies. Okay, all right, Ben, what did you think of it? Okay, um, I think I, I think I liked it a little bit. I think I liked it a little bit more than Jason did. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's flawed as hell. I, I, my issues with this movie, first of all, I think I had set the bar a little bit higher than was probably a good idea to set after Halloween 2018 came out. It surprised me so much that I was really hoping, you know, it was gonna kind of continue on that path because I think Halloween uh, 2018 avoided a lot of the things, a lot of the unfortunate things that this movie kind of fell into. This movie was more jump scary than, than the previous one that, that got old almost immediately. Um, <laughs> Older than uh, the Cypress Hill reference. <laughs> yeah. dude, 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 um, dude, dude, the, dude. um, the other thing was, um, and the thing about the thing that that I always liked about um, Halloween and, and Michael Myers in particular, when this was used correctly, was Michael Myers as a character um, kind of distinguished himself from you know a lot of other slasher movie villains in the way that he kind of inhabited the world that he he was in. You know, um, he did a lot of you know the a lot of the best. Uh, you know, parts of the best Michael Myers scenes in, in the original Halloween. And I know Halloween 2 is not strictly, you know, got knocked out of continuity by this new trilogy. But even in that movie, he got a lot, he got by a lot by, you know, killing mostly by stealth and mostly by like, you know, kind of cunning and, you know, occasionally being clever and occasionally doing goofy shit like dressing up like a ghost or like, you know, like, um, <laughs> you know, drowning a woman in a boiling hot, hot, you know, uh, immersion tub in Halloween too, stuff like that. Um, and the thing is the Michael Myers is at his best when you kind of, when you can rationalize, if you think hard enough, you can rationalize a logical explanation for why he's able to absorb the punishment that he absorbs. Uh, but there's always, the slight glimmer of a possibility of, well, maybe he is, you know, immortal and maybe he is just pure evil and he just can't die. You kind he's at his best when you kind of can, you know, when you can rationalize all the things, all the, you know, in the first Halloween movie, he gets shot five times in the chest and he still, you know, gets up and runs away <laughs> in all, in all other kinds. So there's a precedent for that right at the beginning. Um, there was a, I don't know how far this fan theory progressed. I don't know if, if it's reached like, you know, being made official, 
there was a fan theory that justified that whole thing where like uh, supposedly in the original movie, Michael Myers was able to survive that because he, uh, when nobody was looking, like he, he stole a bulletproof vest out of one of the cop cars that was parked outside the house and had it, and had it on the whole time. I'll buy it. But well, he knows, the how, whole to, thing he knows is, how to drive. Yeah. The thing is like, you know, Michael Myers is not, he's in, in the, it, in when he's at his best, he's actually kind of clever, and I was hoping to see some of that. And when he survived, the way he survived, I was I was really hoping that, that he wouldn't end up surviving the first movie, the fire in the first movie, just because. Like I was actually, I I took it as a good sign that he actually had the presence of mind in the second movie to like hide in the gun safe. Mm-hmm. That was clever. So I thought that the movie was going more in that direction. And I was like, okay, this is this is good. This is this is the kind of Michael Myers that I like, who actually is not this completely mindless zombie. And you know, the trap that all of the uh, Halloween sequels that we all like to make fun of fell in was making him too Jason Voorhees like, making him too much of a zombie and too much of a quasi-supernatural. Uh, you know, hulking, you know, monstrosity that's that's supernaturally immortal. Um, it seemed like it was going one way in the beginning of this movie, and then by the end of this movie, it's just like stab, stab, you know, uh, you know, bludgeoning, beating, and then he still gets up and kills a bunch of people and, and walks away. <laughs> by the way, one other thing, like you know, this is. This is like the most obvious Chekhov's gun that I've seen in a long time. Because <laughs> the instant I saw that baseball bat hanging on, you know, behind the bar, I'm like, somebody's getting beaten to death with that baseball bat. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, like there's no, yes. come on, you don't introduce a blunt object in a Halloween movie and not have somebody getting beaten to death with it later on. I'm just Fair saying, enough. just like well, in that's wrestling. like if you if you set it up, you have to go through it. He I'm, grabbed the bat, he got beaten with it. There you go. So That's that like my... the uh, pitchfork, the pitchfork on the porch. It oh yeah, they, too much they on the... yeah they hung on yeah there were like long shots that like just you know you know tracked across the, the front porch and just stopped yeah. dead on the on the pitchfork. I'm like yeah, somebody gets that with. Or the one guy actually tapping it with his golf club, going, "When I come back, I'm coming out with the pitchfork." Like okay, yeah, there's that there's, too. There's foreshadowing, and then there's the giant neon sign that you're hanging <laughs> over this. Then, my, yeah. My one and every way is walking into frame with a mailbag yelling message. <laughs> one yes. other thing that I one other thing I want to throw out about this movie because I'm I'm going you know I guess uh, I'm hopeful hopefully we can talk about some of the positives in a minute but one other thing that kill that just killed me about this movie was they blew up the entire Halloween sequel timeline. They blew up all of that continuity. They brought back Jamie Lee Curtis only to have her in exactly the same place she was in in the original Halloween 2, which was a hospital bed. This movie movie suffered from a lack of Jamie Lee. Like, I didn't realize how important she was to the the, the previous movie until she's barely doing anything in this one. She's barely in it, first of all, and and when she's in it, she really doesn't do anything except kind of, you know... uh, have these weird philosophical discussions with you know with her room you know with with the you know with the uh, officer that's uh in, in you know in the room with her um 
this movie needed more Jamie Lee Curtis, and I hope to God she is like she has more of a presence in the next one. Like I really hope so. She's not, and I'll tell you why. Damn it! So I did a lot of reading after I watched the movie when I was done laughing, and and I, and it's funny because it took me a day or two to watch the My Little Pony, my next gener- the, the next generation. Between watching this, so I watched this Friday morning, and then I saw that I think Saturday night after WasabiCon. And that's when I started laughing hysterically because in My Little Pony, there's the rah, rah, we're an angry mob song, which is actually what it's called. And all I could think about was rah, rah, evil dies tonight. Rah, rah, we're an angry mob. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just made me, it was watching the, the thing, the, the My Little Pony song is funny by itself to me. Even my kids were laughing and they didn't watch Halloween. But it was made even funnier to me. Because of how this movie goes, because I kept thinking about scenes from Halloween Kills and laughing that much harder about it. If, if anybody, if anybody, like I know that we were, I think we're all right around like a couple of nights, like we're we're right around having grown up in the '90s in this room, like right sure. now. Give or take. If anybody's seen Rocco's Modern Life, like that's the the, the big unruly mob song was well, all I kept thinking about. <laughs> we're a big unruly mob. That's all I could think about during the during a lot of those scenes. You want to make a Simpsons reference, Robert? I know you've got one in the back of your head. <laughs> we desperate that poor man at the top of the uh, uh, that that poor guy who's who had to jump out of the window. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced he was out there looking and just waiting for someone to come along and for, for Homer to jump out in front of the mob and go, "My friend, stop!" <laughs> <laughs> wow, not, hurry. not the one you were. I thought you were going to go with. I totally thought there, you were going to go with the movie. There's an angry um, mob here to see you, sir. Does it have an appointment? <laughs> yes, I, I called ahead. <laughs> God bless Seymour Skinner. <laughs> You can't just keep yelling rabble, rabble, rabble. Um, I think that's South Park. Anyway, I just wanted to, there's two things I want to talk about. Jason hit upon it, and I and this is where I 100% agree with Jason. Um, this movie is not scary. And that, in that respect, I think it fails as, I think it fails as a horror movie. If you're, if you're not tied to something being genre specific and honoring its genre, that's fine. People don't necessarily think about film that way. But even if you're an average film goer and you're like, I want to watch a scary movie. Well, okay. You would pick something from the horror genre almost, you know, that would make sense. Right. Uh, Naturally you would want to pick something from the horror genre. And then you go to put this on because it's in the horror genre. It's theoretically a scary movie and there's zero scares in it. It's like, this was kind of, this was, a, almost like a political commentary about you know the post-Trump world, and I and I hate to say it that way because that kind of engenders a whole other conversation. But you can't not talk about some of that when with relationship to this movie. Um, I'll, I'll get to that in a second because that's actually the second point that I want to bring up. But it just in terms of did this movie effectively execute? The principles of the horror genre the answer is no the, the the kills are not particularly graphic they're nothing there i mean we were talking about what shoot them up the other day where people are getting stabbed with carrots and, and that's true that's a scene from that movie yeah. and that's more graphic than anything i saw in this at a point where they could have gotten really really graphic and at least had one sequence that truly lives up to the genre standard they kept cutting away from it and all you see is the aftermath, and that's when he kills everybody in the car and then leaves them in the park. Go I'll ahead. say there was one. Okay, what? In, in that same scene where um, 
uh, I forget who the girl is that uh, she's a grown up uh, girl that was being babysat by um, mm-hmm. by Laurie, where she's hiding from from Michael and like mm. you know, and he's you know he crosses the bridge and she's trying to you know, she's trying not to breathe and failing miserably. Mm-hmm. That's about as close to suspense as it gets. I'll give it. Sure. I'll give it that one. And I kept waiting for all the bugs to crawl out, and you know, and uh, for the Nazgul. Wait, wrong movie. Anyway, um, <laughs> talk, that's I about just, as that's about as Carpenter as that as the movie got was right around was was yeah. that scene I think. But yeah, I um, I didn't think the kills were particularly graphic. I didn't think there was anything particularly scary, and it, to me, it was just kind of watching a brutal, almost like a brutal action movie. The part. So I didn't love this movie. I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was the worst thing ever. It's sort of like in the middle meh category for me. But the thing, but here's what I liked about it. Here's what kind of saves the movie for me. There's, uh, we talked about this with Candyman. We talked about this with with a few others over the years. I I like when movies have something to say, even if I don't necessarily agree with the point of view, at least it has. And, and this goes to the post-Trump stuff. So the whole thing about this movie is, this, as Robert said in his plot synopsis, they're sick of the horror that Michael Myers has brought to this poor besieged town, and they're not going to stand for it anymore. And so they are, are are gathering their courage and seeking to eliminate, you know, the cancer from their society. They think they're in the right, but quickly, even the best intentions are uh go astray and they end up committing a horrible wrong they drive a sick person to jump out of a window because they, you know they think he's michael myers and as it turns out he's not so the fact that the movie goes out of its way to make a co- to uh make a commentary about mob violence and mob justice mob rule you know the idea of i can't remember where else we talked about this but you know, the, it might have been in the, just in the private chat with, with some of you guys. You know, the idea of we know better than the government. We know, you know, we the people don't trust the media. We don't trust the government. Everyone lies to us. Everyone cheats and steals from us. We'd be better off without them. And the movie clearly has a point of view on that, that the, that kind of mentality is bad. It leads to make it leads to some bad decisions. It leads to leads to some maybe bad voting. Um, and, and bad things tend to happen. Um, I don't care so much whether or not you agree with the point of view of the movie. I'm just glad the movie had a point of view. Um, so I actually like that about it. It was the, to me, and and I'll, and I'll go over to Robert. It was the most interesting thing about this movie because the zombie running around and stabbing people wasn't interesting to me. And I know that for you guys, that's like, but that's why we watched this. Okay, but I'm not watching it necessarily as a fan of the franchise. I'm watching it as somebody who's going to do a podcast in a few days after to criticize it. And for me, I'm like, is there anything about this movie that would make me want to watch this if I wasn't scheduled to talk about it in a few days? And the answer is only the stuff having to do with mob justice. Everything else to me, including Laurie Strode's pathos in the movie, you know, her sort of paranoia, you know, and just justified paranoia about this is all about me. This is all about my struggle with Michael and Michael's, you know, struggle with me. And it turns out that no, Michael just wants to go home. There's something about Michael in that house and looking out that window and everything else is sort of secondary to that. 
and you know people who get in michael's way get stabbed but that's really it and that's what this movie that's what this whole franchise as near as i've with the movies that i've seen seems to be saying about michael myers is he just needs to go he needs to go into his castle and sit on his throne and watch the world from there and if you get in his way you get stabbed with a butcher knife end of discussion you know, this conversation that Ronnie and I had about the first Halloween and that kind of being the sum total of Michael's ambitions and motivations is what Ronnie described as appealing about that character. And I see his point of view from that from from that standpoint that. You know, the I like the idea that they did that they played around with Laurie thinking that this was somehow about her. And as it turns out, it's not. But I do want to address your your comment there about, oh, I hope we're going to get more Laurie and we're going to get more Jamie Lee Curtis in the next movie. They have already said this is about three generations of women fighting this zombie dude. And so in so Halloween 2018 was about, you know, Laurie Strode versus Michael Myers 2 Electric Boogaloo. Um, <laughs> Halloween Kills is Laurie's daughter, Judy Greer. That's why you're here, Judy Greer. You get stabbed and chucked out a window. This was about her. And her fight with Michael Myers, and so in the in the, uh, the the trilogy to end the trilogy, the final fight is about the granddaughter. So I hoped you liked the granddaughter in the first two movies, boys, because you're getting a lot of her apparently. <laughs> no, Halloween ends the search for more money. Yeah, I have seen worse final girls. <laughs> true, true. Not they much worse, but worse. It's a matter of degrees, my friend. <laughs> Go ahead, Robert. What There's, do you, what is, uh, what I are mean, your look, thoughts on God and would you really like to meet her? I mean, look, <laughs> when we talk about, if we're talking about just final girls, like you have the Holy Trinity and then everyone else is just a degree. Nancy, Lori, and who? Uh, Kirsty. Allie from Cheers? You haven't seen Mark. You're, you're fired, Mark. I know I can't get mad at him. I know hey, he hasn't. I know. Hey, hang he on, hasn't. hang on. Wait a minute. What about Sydney? I, I thought you meant Sydney. That's why I was no. like, who the fuck is Kirsty? Kirsty's for Kirsty Cotton from Hellraiser. Well, I have not seen any of I know. Movies. That's why I'm not telling you you're fired. I okay. got to meet her. I got to meet her. I still have that. That's I still my, have that picture. That's my one. That's my humble grip brag for this for this episode. <laughs> you met you met Doug Bradley at that same con. Like I'm jealous of all of that. They were they were sitting right next to each other. It was one of the best cons I've ever been to. So Loki, <laughs> you're fired again, Mark. Uh, you're rehired, but now none of us are going to do any podcast with you. <laughs> Don't uh, lie. Don't lie, he'll twist our arms or threaten us. Uh, since you asked about Sydney, no. She is not one of the... Look, again, you have the three best, and then you have everyone else. So your thoughts on the movie, sir? Uh, <laughs> I don't disagree with the criticisms you guys have laid out. I Look, if we're all going to praise Venom, let there be carnage for its length, we're going to have to... In fairness, let's do the same courtesy to this film. It's short, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. It's relatively to the point. The problem is it meanders so much in the middle. They, they didn't really have enough story here for a full movie, so they interspersed flashbacks that are gonna ha- that they're gonna have to try and pay off in the next movie rather than necessarily in anything with this one. 
there's the entire bit about the entire commentary on the you know the mob justice it needed it either needed to be more prevalent or to be excised it it rides this really awkward bit of how much space it occupies in the film can i ask you a question about that are you saying that the movie doesn't take a strong enough point of view that it that that it's a little man be a little go ahead I'm saying that if you want to have a commentary on mob justice, I'm mm-hmm. not against that. But if you take oh, 60 to 70 minutes of your 107-minute movie and only briefly address it, mm-hmm. interspersed with a couple of violent kills that are designed for nothing as nothing more than a, you know a cheap gore factor, you have a structural problem with your film. Your ratio's off. This okay. needed to be more about that or okay. significantly less. Okay. I, I think the fact that they kind of like it's it, it's a lukewarm film in that respect. Like this this segment that it wants to discuss is enough to keep it from being either a pleasant cold bath or a pleasant jacuzzi trip. And so it winds up as just, you know, a, a 65 de- a 68 degree day or whatever. You just kind of 45. <laughs> Hang on. It's a 45 degree day. Jesus, what the fuck did I do? You happy now, bitch? <laughs> you feel better about yourself now? I really do. Oh, <laughs> there are people that we know that watch these that ask me to do that, and I'm giving the people what they want. Please continue. <laughs> well, whoever asked for that, I hate you. But by the way, Mark, you live in Tampa. When's the last 45 degree day you saw? <laughs> well, if we go by Celsius, he's a, he gets them all the time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So I, I think that's kind of my point about that. It just it's it's fine. It, it's a perfectly acceptable thing to talk about in these movies. There's there's nothing there's nothing saying that you can't, <laughs> but. You need either a more in-depth commentary on it, or you need to severely diminish it to the point where there's a mob, but not necessarily a handful of people going, no, you sheep, don't you understand? It's the wrong person. Like, come on. I think there needed to be, I think to your point, there needed to be more greater consequence for their actions. Just the one guy, you know, the one crazy guy going out the window probably wasn't enough, considering... There's no consequence for that either. They're just like Dennis Leary. Sorry, I fucked up. And then it's and then they move on. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, um, I don't know if Robert, if you if you have more to add, I'll I'll make this quick. Um, but um, yeah, I I had an idea of going into this what 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 to expect because I, I read a couple of interviews. I think David Gordon Green talked a little bit about the the loose idea and the plot of, of what this was going to be about. And he said, you know, the 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 like mob mentality and the angry mob, you know, hysteria in a small town was going to be a big factor in this movie. And you know, that got me thinking like the my I think the the part the problem where that subplot goes wrong is that I don't think it factors into the, into the other, into the Michael Myers stuff enough. It's almost, it's, it's so far removed from each other that it could almost be two completely separate movies. Yeah. And 
they're two separate movies that have good ideas, but when you mash them together, you you know you derail both the plots of both you know you derail both plots. Um, I thought it was going to be something like where you know Michael is Michael Myers is going around town killing people, and you know the townspeople are so whipped up in this mob mentality that they can't you know organize to really stop him, and he's once again like you know I'm I'm hoping for. The sort of you know clever you know like you know he, wa- he wanders through the mob like they're, some, so, they're screwed up like, about somebody else and right. something oh, like that yeah. the natural yeah, consequence the, of of the mob justice and targeting the wrong person should have been Michael Myers getting away with more murders yeah that yeah. something like that because you know don't get me wrong like I don't you know I, I went back and forth during you know with that subplot of. Is this too over the is this too over the top a portrayal of you know mob mentality with you know with it townspeople? Uh, it, I went it, back and forth. Uh, okay. I'm gonna tell you that it's like the kids' picture book, you know, um, like you know, like a pop up book. It's so in, part, in face. I think in parts. I I don't have a whole lot of trouble believing that you know the right you know combination of people can get whipped up into really stupid hysteria this easily i, I don't I, have a i think my i think the problem that i had with it was when they literally stormed the hospital yeah like when, when they're using when they're using it as a base of operations like we're i'm there and when there's this constant kind of back and forth between a couple of the police officers you're like please can we not Resort to the lowest <laughs> common denominator and everyone else going, you morons have had right. how many chances to fix this right. and it's not fixed? There, There's that distrust yeah. of the government then of your institutions. So, yeah. ben, ben, I'm not saying that it wasn't realistic. I think in a lot of ways that it was. But I think it's I think it's turned up. And that's why I said it's like the kids like pop up book version of this, because in case you miss the subtlety, they have to. <laughs> they, yeah, they're they have to think evil up. dies tonight. Yeah, <laughs> they, they no, have to turn I'm, it up and just in case the audience I, didn't get what this was. No, I'm with I'm with you about that. I'm just mm-hmm. saying it kind of it kind of teeters back and forth between you know the cartoonish over the topness of it and then something that resembles real life a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. As maybe the ratio is like you know eighty twenty as for uh, uh, you know as far as the cartoonishness and then you know the stuff that's believable, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like uh, I swear to God, I I rem- I thought a million times to write this down. It's the quote from Men in Black where he's like, you know, a person is sane and rational. A, a per- People, I, I know, I know this by heart. Actually, yeah, go ahead. A person is smart. People are. People are dumb, dangerous, panicky animals, and you know it. Thank what you. Else? What else, Robert? Uh, I like some of the kills. You know, some of them were pretty good. Not all, but some. I mean, you, I, I. The problem with using the the fluorescent light tube to stab that poor woman in the neck is I've seen too many death matches. Hey, damn it! I didn't want to cut you off because because like. We all kind of we, we we all get quiet and take you know and ever opportunity to speak and then Robert talks and we're like I agree with you I disagree like Robert never gets to complete a thought but damn it you beat me to the Nick Gage joke Nick Ga- yeah damn, you beat me to it <laughs> Nick well, Gage well, spent a day on the set as as the, as the Michael Myers yeah. double apparently <laughs> they, they look they told him this old black woman is David Arquette oh uh, hang on. <laughs> 
And if you don't know that story, I believe it's. Uh, is there a dark side of the ring about that particular? Sure. Yes, yeah, yes, I think yes, there, there is. is. Yeah. yeah, there is. Uh, I mean, the irony, of course, oh, being that Nick Gage himself almost died due to a light tube yeah. malfunction. So it's a real yeah. thing. Uh, so I, I mean, I didn't hate that. I, my my issue there was if you're gonna stab someone in the neck with a with a shattered fluorescent light tube, can you give me a visual of like the carotid spewing into the empty right. tube, please? Like, th there's stuff you can do here. Yeah, yeah she should have died about the neck. Uh, what's the other couple? Of, I liked him stalking the group in the car. I mean, it, it it's a very obvious callback to other stuff that Myers has done. Uh, the knife through the eye I thought was decent. You know, some of the other stuff not so much. Um, the other good kill. I mean, his violent murder of one half of the uh, that gay couple was pretty good. Uh, it, it, sadly, it gets a little bit carto too cartoony for its own good when he thumbs into the eyes, and they actually like the eyes come out of the sides of the head, and then we get fountains of blood. It's like, okay, come on, you've they gone did, to. They did that in the Rob in one of the Rob Zombie movies too. Yeah, you know, I know. Did, yeah, he yeah. does that uh, with, with Malcolm McDowell, right? I think that yeah, was the second one. Yeah, I yeah. think that's the end of the second one. Yeah, something like that. Uh, I mean, which actually works a little bit better in that franchise because Zombie is Rob Zombie is so deliberately excessive with his gore and violence that okay, it plays. Well, also, Here it's cat I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just, also Rob Zombie cast Tyler Maine, who's like six eight and. 380 pounds and yeah. you know so you if you wanted a jason Voorhees, you know sized michael myers rob zombie gave it to you the irony the irony being that hotter kane is 5'8 but he is, is he's not tall he, huh. he's really not he's just but he is as wide he's as he is yeah tall. he's massive like, he's, he's a, a massive big guy, guy. yeah uh, you know that's not me that's not me dumping on dunking on him as far as that goes but he's not a tall guy they use a lot of camera tricks to make when he was Jason to make him look taller because he's broad enough to pull that off just as he is. He's a large, he's very large in that respect. Um, so yet a couple of decent kills. Uh, a lot of them I thought were a little bit more on the ho hum side. Uh, what's up, Jason? I, I just want to know if anybody else had issues with the the lady's husband being killed um and him just going through every knife on the wall and no, making him I'm, into I, a pit cushion i actually kind of dug that I'm, I'm down for that see that was i good. was that i didn't like it because it is so out of the mo that you expect i mean his is a, on this one that's he's more of a utility killer not a yeah go ahead yeah it was just like his mo is very brutal kills uh not just sit oh, there and stab someone in the back repeatedly with different knives and just saves the one that he wants wants and to then take like, with and him. then try to like sell it on etsy i'll like, defend like, what, what, what are we going for here go ahead i'll, def uh, I'll defend i'll defend that real quick uh if we're going if we're just going by this particular series of movies the way this one there's some precedent of that in, in the first, uh, you know, in Halloween 2018, where you have like the one of my one of my favorite parts of that movie is like the brilliant tracking shot of just him on, on the streets in Haddonfield, just killing one person after another. And it starts off, you know, he finds the first thing that, that he sees, which is a, ha a claw hammer, and he goes and beats this this woman to death. And then from there, he takes uh, 
he takes one kind of knife and then he goes to the next house and kills the next person. And then he finds, eventually he finds like the kitchen knife, you know, the signature kitchen knife is like a little bit like, you know, Jason Voorhees with his machete. He's got a signature weapon. So to me, this was him like, you know, uh, you know, I've got, I've got time. I can take my time with these people. Let me find like, you know, let me find something that feels and the the first one he grabs the kitchen after he beats her to death with the hammer he gets the the butcher's knife as he's leaving so i mean that's right after he's going down the road he beats her with the hammer and then he grabs a knife and he has the knife the rest of the movie does he with that michael myers from what i've seen I, I would buy the fact that there's something about killing people for him that brings him to ecstasy if he ever showed that this thing, it, it always seemed, and this is why I agreed with Jason, and Jason, I'll let you conclude your point in a second so we can go back to Robert, but it always felt to me like, again, the reason he is killing people is because they're in the way, not because it brought him to ecstasy, not because it gave him some sort of thrill. It was, I just need to, you know, I need to mow down the wheat in order to get through the field to get to I- where I need to be. I don't know if that's 100% true though like cuz cuz every once in a while you know he'll get he'll literally get creative with you know it's not every time he kills somebody mm-hmm. but every once in a while he'll get creative like he you know he sticks the, the cop's flashlight inside his severed head to make him look like a jack-o'-lantern <laughs> in the previous yeah. movie. Okay, you know, so occasionally he gets the, a little let's see. Yeah, every once in a while he decides to dress it up a little bit. You know, he gets a little bit Gordon Ramsay with it. He's like you know, <laughs> Um, and I just, now I need to see that. I need to see him just like take a step back and be like selfie, yeah. you know, <laughs> like ta-da. You know, when when he's pressed for time, you know, he'll settle for a simple knife in the gut, knife in the throat, knife in the heart. But well, like, you know, you give him time, of... he'll make a tableau. Yeah, he'll, and... he'll, he'll set pe- he'll set people on a merry-go-round and string another one up with the chain. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, yeah. That's, and then that's and, fair. and 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 the couple at the end, you know, uh, you know, Robert's bestest buddy, Michael McDonald. You know, he posed him like they were in the photo. Like they, I thought that he kind of yeah, went out of his way that to was, do that. That was a really nice little uh, subtle touch that I thought they put in there. That he literally yeah. posed their dead bodies the same so, way they're in that loving pose that they took in the photograph that's above them. It was a really yeah. nice little thing. I need and more go- of that than I need and an entire goes- movie of him like doing impressionist <laughs> art. And it and it goes and it goes back to the original to the you know original seventy eight Halloween movie where mm. you know he he stabs the dude in the chest through the wall and he stops and it's totally silent and he does the you know the head tilt like you know like oh that's interesting. Every once in a while he's actually kind of you know kind of taken by what he just did that is consistent in the you know 2008 halloween he does that at least twice in that movie and there's a little bit of that in the you know i get what you're saying but i i think there's some evidence to show like he's not completely indifferent to killing i say Uh, my my favorite my favorite thing that came out of the story about him you know stabbing him and then looking at him when the actor playing Michael Myers in the original Halloween asked John Carpenter for his for his motivation, and he just said, "Your motivation is to stab the guy." <laughs> I need now. I need a scene where Michael Myers kills somebody, but when he's done, he makes him look like a can of soup. Jason, real quick, anything else before Robin can conclude this point? We can move on. No, I, like I said, I mean, I just didn't like. I thought the the whole porcupine um, kill kind of took took me out of it a little bit and that's where that's where i kind of just checked out and was like eh. 
because oh. uh, between that and Anthony Michael Hall that I'll never be able to watch in the Breakfast Club God. again. <laughs> um, you know. That's uh, I, I called him Michael C. Hall earlier. Yeah, I was, I was about to you, but I'm like, that's not right. I was uh, about you, to say you that. That's, you that's, not, Dexter. That, that's, that's not Dexter. That's a good idea for a crossover, though. That's an underrated <laughs> idea for a crossover. What? The, Dex- the Dexter, Dexter versus Michael Or yeah. Breakfast Club. Breakfast where, Club and Halloween. Where a jock, a princess, It'll be, a basket case, yes. and a serial killer. It'll be like the Avengers of 80s, you know, and, and <laughs> like series. Like they'll all they'll all come together. They'll all be built up in separate movies. They'll all come together. And, it, and, and uh, at the end, like to set up the sequel, they are saved by being hit by uh, the Ferrari driven by Ferris Bueller. Like he, right. he, the, he runs over I, the... <laughs> Right on, the, like that. The, that's the after credit sequence right yeah. there. That's there's your Marvel like post credit scene. Then, it's all, yeah. Then he looks at the screen again and says, "What are you doing here? Go home." <laughs> the weird, that, the that, weird chick from Breakfast Club that would be played by Michael Myers. <laughs> Ali, yeah, playing the part of Ali yeah. Sheedy is Michael Myers. Great. Yes, and and, yeah. and Molly Ringwald has to put makeup on her to uh, on, the, yeah. on the white mask. Too. First time Michael already, Myers ever speaks, know. "I'm a pretty girl." They already did that with Leatherface. We saw how badly that went. That's true. So, Robert, true. I'm about to hit the solo key button. You guys are the ones who... <laughs> That's not on me. Uh, all right. The... I think a couple... Again, I mentioned the kills. You know, they... I thought there were a couple of good ones. Uh, I... I'm with Benjamin that the... Those two... The two subplots here for this movie never quite blend, and I think that's a big problem that it has. Uh, a couple of more... Let me do one positive, and then I want to bring up one of my more negative things. Um, the actor that they had in the process, the makeup department who made that actor look so much like Donald Pleasance from the original film. Yes. Like, you guys, seriously, that was amazing. I thought that was CG. That was It was so good that I thought yeah. that was like, yeah. And so very I, good CG, actually. Yeah, I wanted to make sure they got credit for that because... He looks so much like Donald Pleasance as Loomis that uh, it's a little bit freaky. So serious, serious kudos to everyone who got in, who uh, did that. I think my biggest problem with this, uh, and Ben talked about this, but I'm going to kind of reiterate it. Michael Myers operates best when you're not quite sure where the line between reality and supernatural exists. There's no mythology. There's no question around, uh, you know, Jason Voorhees. Depending on which movie you're in, he's either wholly real, or after a certain point, wholly unreal. In the first couple of movies, it's entirely possible for a real person to survive what he survives. By the time we get to, you know, Friday the Thirteenth, four, give or take. Or when he's dead and then they decide to dig him up because they're stupid and want to confirm that he's dead and a lightning bolt strikes the shovel that they left stuck through his chest. Like, we get really stupid really fast. But it's very clear with Jason, with Voorhees, which side of the spectrum we're on. By the same token, you know, uh, either Pinhead or Freddy exist entirely on the supernatural side of things. There's no ambiguity around this. Freddy is a dream monster, and Pinhead is uh, Pinhead is Pinhead. I, I, I <laughs> he, he somewhat lacks classification as far as that goes. He, he's a demon after a sort of fashion. 
Michael Myers works best when you're never quite sure. When he's stalking and you get glimpses and wait a minute, is that a real person? Is that not? And then suddenly you're, then he comes up and he stabs you and you try to fight him off and you hit him, but he just kind of eats it and keeps coming. And there's always a little bit of, well, maybe I don't hit that hard. Maybe he just got a heck of a chin. Those people exist. Or you shoot at him and you never quite hit him. And this works sometimes, but not others. The fact that everyone in this movie seemed to have stormtrooper aim was a bit of a problem for me. I There's circumstances where it works. People who are not used to sh firing guns, especially at another human being, panicking in a moment of adrenaline and fear, like, sure, I'll buy that. Everybody missing him? Like, that's, eh, that's strange credulity in some really unpleasant ways. I feel like I made a stormtrooper joke at some point during that, during this movie. Probably. Yeah. Um, so he needs to be, again, a little bit between. Where you hit him and you think maybe he's a bit hurt, but he just keeps coming. And then, you know, in the original, Laurie, like, stabs him in the face with a coat hanger right near the end. And he reacts to this because it goes in the eye. And he... That's kind of what you need. You need this balance between, okay, maybe he's just a guy who's somewhat, who's tougher than the average guy. And at the same time, whenever you see, whenever you see that in real life, if you've ever watched one of those, um, by way of example, if you've ever watched one of those fights where both guys are just getting wailed on, but nobody's going down and you know, this is extraordinary. Like that exists. But you also need you need the hint, the little bit of hint that maybe just maybe this isn't just a tough guy. Maybe just maybe this is something beyond the pale. And then some and that's a and to be fair, that's a really hard line to walk. Most of these movies don't do it well. The best ones do. And the lack and this movie not being able to quite find that balance for most of it, especially at the end where he survives being stabbed in the back with a pitchfork, a bunch of blunt force trauma to the head and ribs being stabbed in a pretty vulnerable area, uh, like right through the back of his shoulder blade and then nearly shot in the head. Like we're, you, you've just gone a too far on the wrong side of this like if that group shows up and they attack him and he cuts his way through but gets beat along the way that's kind of what we need more than you know uh what we got so i, I think that's a problem that this movie has it didn't i mean the 2018 movie does a much better job of walking that line of you know, okay he's a real guy you know he's been in a mental institution forever he's a real flesh and blood human being and then there's just a couple of things that he does and a couple of times when he gets hit and just keeps coming that make you go, you're not normal, are you? And it's, like I said, it's not an easy line to walk, but if you're trying to make a Halloween movie, that's the, that's the line you have to, like, you, you're not getting on the balance beam thinking you're walking down the sidewalk. Like, you know, you're getting on the balance beam here. So you better be able to keep your balance. And this movie just couldn't for, for its duration. So. I think that was a little bit of a downer as far as the ending goes. Not to mention the fact that the ending, when he when he does his Hulk Hogan comeback, not a very well shot yeah. sequence. 
they yeah. don't do a great job. Uh, it, it's not well shot. It's not well edited. It's and it's kind of a problem. Would anybody We're, been upset if you would have heard uh, Real American just queue up when he started making the comeback? I actually wanted the Ultimate Warriors music. I wanted him to just start shaking and be like. Dang. And then he just runs around cutting people, you know, and that, that which leads me to what I was going to say. I wish that scene had been more graphic and, you know, and Robert knows me, we've been doing this for like 10 years now and I'm, I'm not really into gross, but I feel like that scene called for it. And I think that to me is my biggest, my biggest problem with this movie is that it almost was like, well, we don't, we want, gosh, we, we complain about this with like Marvel movies and stuff, but it seems like this is happening now in the horror genre where it's like, yeah, it, you know, we're already behind the eight ball. It's rated R, but as Deadpool shows us, you can have a, you can have a successful, you know, hundred plus million dollar movie, um, several hundred million dollar movie be rated R. People will come if you give them the right product, but it's it just, what I'm getting to is it feels like, they, like we just we don't want the niche horror fans. We want as wide an audience as possible that'll watch this thing. And so it's okay, but not everyone's into gross, even if they're into horror. So let's tone down the graphic nature of these things. To, you know, and it becomes like when you become all things to everybody, you ultimately become nothing. And that to me is the biggest problem with Halloween Kills when it's not evoking its pol- socio political message. It's a nothing movie. Robert, I'll give you the last word on this and then we'll move on. Uh, you bringing up, you know, how this is you know, th- that particular trend as far as Hollywood goes, because I mean, it's true of Marvel, but you're right. It's becoming more true of everything. That makes me more and more concerned for the Hellraiser reboot that's coming down the pipe. Um Whoever, on the off chance that some unpaid intern listening to this is working on that project or knows another unpaid intern who happens to be on that project, it's a Hellraiser movie. For God's sake, we all know what we're getting into. Please don't do this to that movie. It's the first Hellraiser movie in a while that Clive Barker feels confident enough to attach his name to. So that gives me some pause. That gives me some pause, you know? We'll and as, as sad as I am that uh, they don't have uh, Doug Bradley back as uh, Pinhead, he's kind of moved on from it at this point. So I'm more curious about what uh, about what they're going to do with the voice because the actress that they've hired, uh, unless they, I mean, if they want to do the little girl's voice that comes out of Pinhead, please, I'm hoping so much they just, do that. You just need a you're going to need a quality voice actor because I don't think the actress in question can do that. Hey, Jason. Yeah. What did you think of the music in Halloween Kills? The music was phenomenal, Mark. Where can I listen to it at? I'm so glad you asked, Jason. You can listen to it on Amazon Music Unlimited. I know. Seamless segue. Totally believable. We are giving away a free 30 days of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. And if you click the link in the description at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network. Thanks, Ben. You can uh, have access to that free 30 days and you can stream 
all of the free Halloween music and Halloween music and other Halloween music. Those are three different Halloweens referencing three different things that you want. And when you're done <laughs> and when you're done with that, you can listen to ministries every day is Halloween, both versions. You can <laughs> you can listen to all kinds of listen, you trick or we have Halloween coming up, the actual holiday. You're gonna have trick-or-treaters come to your door. You wanna play spooky music, you don't have a spooky music CD. What do you do? You go on your Amazon music streaming and you stream spooky music. It's all there. There's all kinds of albums that you can stream for free if you click that link at getamazonmusic.com slash w2m network. Um, to get your free 30 days of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. If you like it, you keep it beyond the 30 days. You pay for it uh, monthly like you do with Spotify or Apple Music. You don't. You can cancel. There's no contract, no fuss, no muss. And with that, here comes the money. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. All righty, friends and pals fun, and gals. Fun story. I used to watch professional wrestling with one of my aunts. It was something we bonded over for a bit. Her most recent ex-husband apparently dances exactly like Shane McMahon when he comes out. I believe it. That's amazing. All right, so this thing has been profitable. It is a unmitigated success for Blumhouse and Universal Pictures. Despite the fact that it was day and date on Peacock for no additional fee if you're well, already a premium subscriber. Here's the problem with that. Nobody has Peacock. Like, like Peacock is it. not... Sure, so does Mark. Like, If I'm... you're a wrestling fan, you have Pe you might have exactly. Peacock. Yeah, like, but that's kind of it. You know, being day and date on HBO Max is a problem because HBO Max is a very successful... I shouldn't. I don't know. It's a big thing. You know, the, uh, occasionally Netflix will do a little bit of that, but I imagine that would be a terrible will would be difficult for them, because certain streaming services just have a much bigger market share. Peacock does not. Being day and date on Paramount Plus for other stuff is not going to hurt it that much. That's not a very popular service right now. They premiered this at the 78th Venice International Film Festival. What a weird decision that is. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Venice. <laughs> sure. All right. So this on a budget of twenty million, this made is this has at the time of this recording uh, has made almost sixty million dollars, fifty-seven point seven to be clear. Um, so again, if you're using the the uh, in the uh, math that we use, which is twice the budget, give or take, this thing's already profitable. Again, despite My, having I'm a cannibalized market of being day and date despite what robert says that nobody has peacock so it didn't matter did matter i've seen the numbers um this... again i'm not saying nobody has it i'm saying if you look at how many people have peacock versus how many people have hbo max sure one of those is not like the other uh here the story that came out about this the two, two actually that i want to talk about one was how if you you know the, the narrative at the very least maybe not a story but the narrative was if you give people will go to the theater to see something worth going to the theater for, even when they have the option of going at home, which reminds me, Pabone, go see Dune on an IMAX theater. You don't need to see it at home. All right, moving on. Um, that was for a coworker. Anyway, um, the other thing that came out about this was the early reviews on this were like, you know, there were a lot of reviewers that were just like, and we'll talk about this with Rotten Tomatoes, but 
I just want to bring it up now. The early reviews on this was like, this is just yet another two hours of Michael Myers stabbing his way through through the village. And somebody put somebody quoted that on Twitter and then like put up like, you know, a meme of, you know, somebody looking happy. Like basically, I don't know what film critics were thinking about this, but for a lot of Halloween fans, this was exactly what they wanted. And they they went to the movies to go see it. And we'll and again we'll talk about like the difference between the critic score and the audience score in just a moment. But it's the same statement, you know, for two different audiences. Yeah, it's uh, it's Principal Skinner saying, you know, today's you know honor students will be rewarded with a trip to an archaeological dig, and conversely, today's detention students will be punished with a trip to an archaeological dig. All right, <laughs> it's basically that. Yeah. Yep. All right, so Halloween Kills debuted in the number one spot. Um, well, uh, significantly overperformed relative to expectations. Yeah, I did want to talk about that. That, that I guess Which, the hey, it, you want to know you want to know part of why it overperformed, Mark? Why? Because day and date on Peacock is not the same as day and date on a bigger streaming service. Thanks, Robert. Um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I, they were not projecting a fifty million dollar weekend for Halloween Kills, but that's what it got. Um, and not, no time to die out of the first spot, but we knew that was going to happen when we talked about that last week. That had more, a 50, more that had troubling a, is that drop. Yeah, I was going to say that had a fifty-six point nine percent drop. Which Robert, like in ten words, how significant is that? That's not. That's certainly non-trivial. I mean, you would expect uh, this to have been a closer race if Halloween was going to knock No Time to Die out of the top spot. Uh, it would. It. You'd think it would have been closer, given that we're talking about a you know twenty million dollar picture against a two hundred million dollar James Bond for entry. That's the last of Dan the last hurrah for Daniel Craig's character. So it, it, that much is a non-trivial drop. That's that's not great. Uh, Venom fell from two to three in its third week, and it only had a forty-eight percent drop, which is not bad for its third week. Um, it also is in significantly less theaters. I mean, look at the uh, look at the theater drop there, Robert. It's yeah. 212. A lot of places cut that, thankfully. Unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of the Russian theaters chains got that movie now, and they all seem to love it. Mm -hmm. So between Russia and China, more Venom, and I hate the both of you. <laughs> the Adams Family 2, which is currently day and date VOD, um, fell from three to four, and it had a thirty percent drop in six six hundred less theaters. We're like one weekend was good enough for Adam's family. Let's get it out of the way. Watch it at home. Even my family hasn't watched that one yet. And let's talk about the latest crater to be made on the impact. <laughs> the latest <laughs> impact crater. <laughs> the last duel. And did you say bomb? Uh, yeah, the last duel, which Ronnie and I will be talking about uh, this weekend coming up, debuted with almost five million dollars. Yikes! That thing had an that thing had a budget of right around a hundred million. Oh, that is that. I mean that that came with the 20th Century Fox purchase. Disney's just gonna write that off. Like, hey, you win some, you lose some. Um, well, look. In <laughs> fairness to that movie, and I do mean this in fairness. You, they created a, based on what I can, what I've seen. I haven't seen the movie, but based on every trailer, every bit of you know, uh, promotional material that they've released, 
they created something that is accurate to the medieval to, to that time period so you need horses you need costuming you need a lot of people you need to build sets for that like that's a lot that's a significant endeavor i still mm -hmm. think a hundred million is they're banking on this thing getting oscars more than anything else well no they were also thinking that old people would come to this the narrative on this has been if, if if in normal times this would have gotten like my parents to go see it and they're not going to the movies right now yeah that that's uh that thing is not done well they're they're really going to be hoping for award season to kind of bolster its uh numbers and kind of buzz but um shang chi in its seventh week fell from four to six at a 22 percent drop and is in 500 less theaters yeah that's just wrapping up its theatrical run at this point unless it gets approved by the chinese government and i doubt it will um something called hans the rock uh debuted at seven hundred and six thousand at number seven free guy fell from six to eight so that's still in the top 10 and that was from like august uh, that had a 47.9% drop and made 645000 for the weekend. And uh, that's in significantly less theaters, too, at, at uh, 580. Lamb uh, fell from 8 to 9, had a 45.7% had a drop. And, in, and what's weird about that, though, is, is they, added wider, they added more theaters, 282, uh, which is kind of funny to me. <laughs> Um, there's there, there's there's some talk about. I heard a review on it from the critically acclaimed guys. I've heard some possible buzz it might get nominated for an uh, an award or two. We'll we'll see. Apparently, like I, I thought with the premise of it, which is basically like a mutant, you know, human lamb hybrid is born to this farm family, and you know, hilarity ensues. I I was hoping for like some real <laughs> esoteric horror, and apparently, it's not. It's like. So there's a half lamb child, but what we need to talk about is relationship. It's like it's a character drama. <laughs> yeah, it's like wait, what? Um, so yeah, that's a little bait and switchy. Most eligible eligible bachelor debuted at number ten. Candyman fell out of the top ten to to number eleven. Dear Evan Hansen, you suck. Love Mark. Uh, <laughs> Darn from, right. Fell from seven to twelve. Uh, what? Men like if I were to watch, like I, I think my one of the things I've laughed the hardest at when I was watching Saturday Night Live, there was uh, one of the episode, one of the skits was it's uh, like a bad CD commercial for a Rob for their Robert Goulet character that's done by Will Ferrell, mm -hmm. and one <laughs> of the re one of the reviews that they posted on the like they had a voiceover for as he's singing in the background and they're trying to do the sale. It, this reviewer goes, "I watched this. I watched this live in concert. and was so angry. I threw a battery at the screen." <laughs> I, re I remember that one. Um, uh, falling out of the top 10 in several spots is the many things of newer currently day and date on HBO Max, speaking of which. That had an 88% drop. Well, and it's, it's basically week. out of theaters now. Look at how many theaters yeah. it lost. <laughs> it's out of all the theaters everywhere. Um, Pretty much. That, that fell from 5 to 13. Jungle Cruise fell from 11 to 14. Titan is now currently available on VOD. And if you don't know what Titan is, a woman gets uh, pregnant by a car. So that's on my must-watch list when I have some free time. What's yeah, we, we discussed your... this before, Mark, that we got to watch that. <laughs> um, Mark, I, what you do in your own time is your own business. Currently planning a triple feature with that. <laughs> I, want, I want that, Lamb. With what? <laughs> 
Well, my mother the car? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's going to be that. No, Herbie lo- fully no, no, loaded. Hang on. The love bug. No, no, no. Not even fully loaded. The love bug. We got to go original here. And what's that Carpenter film where the car's alive? Christine. Yes. Christine. I was going to lobby for, for the counselor because Cameron Diaz has sex with a car in that movie. What? Done. So Titan, the counselor, <laughs> and Carrie. Who's up for this? Now I have Why are we watching Carrie? <laughs> now I have to watch. Um okay, okay, look, has sex might be begging might be exaggerating the point, but she graphically grinds on the hood and windshield of a car. Listen, listen, while... you, ha- you had me at car, all right? <laughs> listen. You had me at I, car. I, I had Mark at car. I had the rest of you at Cameron Diaz. Yeah, well, there's that. While Javier Bardem watches with a bleach blonde haircut. Please tell me it's white snake playing in the background. I hope. I forget excuse the me music. For, excuse me for just a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I first, it's one of the craziest movies. Like, it was supposed to be good, but it's so not. Expected you to come back sweaty and out of breath, Ben. All right, let's move this on. <laughs> um, Cry Macho fell from 15 to 16. After we fell 16 to 17, Monster Family 2, whatever that is, from Viva Pictures, debuted That's at the follow 18 up to Monster a, Family. Uh, thank you, Jason. With a paltry $57,000. Uh, Bergman Island, 55,000 at number 19. Hard Luck Love Song, 36,000. Uh, number 21 from Roadside Attractions. Uh, introducing Selma Blair at 31. Luzu at 32. And that was the weekend that was. All right. So we've had some movement on the worldwide uh, scale here. Rumor has it that after this weekend, No Time to Die will be taking that fifth spot ahead of Godzilla versus Kong. My. Um, so right now where we stand is that uh, your two top movies of the year are both Chinese Chinaman movies. And then we have our only our, our only um, our first Hollywood feature uh, to crack more than plus 700 million with F9. And that's the way it's been since it came out in what, June. Wow. Uh, Detective Chinatown does not 3. Look, does not look promising, does it? <laughs> like <laughs> This is going to be a weird year. We're almost as weird as 2020 in terms mi- of like the worldwide I'm, box office. I missed all the discourse on uh, F9. I'm still, I'm still processing the discourse on F8, which is the only one in the of that franchise that I saw in the theater. Look, the only good thing about F8 was, um, was Jason Statham and the baby. Yeah. Just, uh, um, like those two have ridiculous chemistry. I'm surprised they didn't get the spinoff. Here's the thing about F8. I'll make this very quick. I can believe, I can believe in a high speed car chase across like a frozen, you know, in in the Arctic. I can believe dudes <laughs> in wingsuits jumping across, you know, jumping, you know, jumping planes, uh, you know, to create, you know, various espionage situations. Uh, you know, the Fast and Furious movies basically have become the G.I. Joe movies that we never actually got. That's a direct quote from one of my best friends. Hi, how's it going? That's very true. The one thing I can't believe, the one bit of disbelief that I couldn't suspend in the entire Fast franchise was in F8 where uh, somehow 
they managed somehow they managed to pull off a high speed chase in Midtown Manhattan. That's just a bridge. That's just a bridge too far for me. <laughs> Having I've biked through Times Square before. There's no way in hell that that's a, that that is ever going to be a thing. So that's that's what broke my illusion for me. All right. Um, so Detective Chinatown three is currently the only one between uh, five and seven hundred million at uh, six eighty six. Godzilla versus Kong holding that fifth place spot, but not for long as No Time to Die is quickly on its tail at four hundred and forty nine million. Shang Chi. Uh, holding steady at 414 million. Boy, Shang-Chi, I said this last week, I'm going to repeat it. Mm -hmm. Shang-Chi's not going to make $500 million. Yeah, I was about to reference that, that I I, I think I said that it'll just crack 500 million and I'm probably going to end up being off on that. I've never missed seeing an MCU movie in the theater and I'm like, I'm debating whether or not to, to... Make it in under the wire to see Shang Chi in theater. I think um, it's, look. I mean, if you're not like super critical of the Marvel movies, this one, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Then go see it. You'll have a good time, and it's worth seeing on. It's it's for the spectacle that it is. It's worth seeing on the big screen. I I might argue that it doesn't Fine. make the best use of the big screen, but dude, I saw okay. I saw Black Widow in the theater. Was it better? Was it? Is it on? It's a hundred percent better than Black better. Widow. Fine, then I need to see it in the theater. Period. <laughs> okay. okay, we can move on. From but it's much, not as good as anyone having sex with a car. Um, <laughs> hang on. Wait for the et- wait for the I Eternals. <laughs> wait for the Eternals. There's going to be awkward conversations had between okay. parents so and children. Can I can I bring this up now? When we when we review the Eternals, can we just can and and I don't want to. Sh- Three out of the four people who are going to be reviewing the Eternals are on this podcast. Can we just keep referring to it as Sad Piano, the superhero movie, no. and not and just not explain what we're talking about? No, no. I was going to put that in the title too. We tonight we're reviewing Sad Piano, the superhero movie. Do you, do yeah. you need a fourth for Eternals? No, we we got a fourth. Fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you want you want to review it for round table? That's that's where that. No, at. I just want to <laughs> profess my love for Sama Hayek for the billion. Well, time. we can talk from dusk till dawn and do that. Oh you know, yes, we can. Eternals. Oh yes, we can. All right, you and I will talk, sir. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, you need to be on all the podcasts. All yes, time. we. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Look, do. if Tarantino gave us nothing more than that sequence, mm, he would have yeah, been. He, he still would have been. Uh, a, um, an absolute treasure except for the <laughs> film industry. Black Widow at number eight at 379, where it has been since June. <clears throat> uh, Free Guy at number nine at 328 million. That, that's a win for Disney, for such as it is. And A Quiet Place Part Two has fallen to number 10. At number 11 is Venom with 284, Cruella 233, Jungle Cruise 212. A um, couple so of other we, ones of uh, no Serious question. Hang on. Serious yes. question about Venom. Yeah. Do we think it cracks three hundred million? I mean, it's only like sixteen million away. Why? Why? Uh, so, sorry, hang on, hang on, hang on. I can't read. Oh, sorry. I too many cir- too many circular numbers in the in a row there. So <laughs> let, let me rephrase. Do we think it? Do we think it beats Black Widow? Ooh, it's a little far away from that. It's got to make another hundred million dollars, and you know, it's, it's only I getting think, further I away from the can. target. Maybe we'll see. I I don't, I, mm, I would I think, not bet the bet the house on that. I think it gets pulled before the uh, promotion machine starts kicking in for Spider Man. Uh, uh, no way home. So probably yeah, that's coming yeah. up. Yeah. Um, 
real quick, just a couple of ones are, like I said, of note here. The Conjuring's at two hundred at two hundred and one million. Suicide Suicide Squad is one hundred and six million. Boy, did million, that rather. thing under, boy did that thing underperform? And I mean, I know it was day and date, and that caused a lot of problems for it. But man, I enjoyed yeah. it. I, I, I was, that's not, a, that's was, not a critique of the film. That's a yeah. Critique it's just of nobody landed. nobody left their house to go see it. But you know. Apropos- Apropos of nothing, by the way, um, it turns out that Tarantino is not the only uh, the only director with a thing for Margot Robbie's feet. Um, True. Just saying. That- <clears throat> hey, Robert, was the height of the resurgence <laughs> of COVID in July? Because I feel like that was a huge um, reason why nobody went to the movies to see it, to, to see things. If they to remember seen it what, I'm trying to remember when the real talk of the Delta variant thing. Well, kicked. I know my kids went back to school in August. And the first late few, July, early August. Yeah, yeah the, the first few weeks of school, everybody got the COVID twice and was, you know, and was being sent home left and right. My 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 wife tells me like she had five kids in her class of like twenty five. So that's what I'm thinking. Like it's you know I can't criticize the July August releases too much if they didn't make a lot of money and there was a day and date option. Everyone had the COVID, including okay. Me. I don't you know? care though. Because I get to laugh at the next movie even more with Space Jam A New Legacy having further proof that LeBron exists entirely in the shadow of Michael Jordan in everything he does and has to live with that reality. Um, Alexis Haina's favorite movie of the year, Tom and Jerry still beating Ryan the Last Dragon, take that Disney. And uh, finally, just to move this on, I'm going to keep needling her every chance I get. Um finally uh we have dune which gets its u.s release uh but it's already been released around the world currently at 129 million and it also will be day and date this thursday on hbo also i have to say this and on the off chance any of our audience is not aware of this fact that dune is only part one and this is not it's not being advertised as such it's only the first half of the book hmm um, so this weekend, you know, Dune will obviously be the number one movie of the weekend, um, despite it being day and date. Uh, I don't have anything else on my calendar here, and I shut down Box Office Mojo, but I mean, that's going to be the big one that everyone's going to go see. The following week, the big movie is uh, Last Night in Soho, and I think there's that's something That's not going to be, I don't think that's going to be big. No, I'm, but I, but I I'm think. I'm going to see it, though. But, you know, Ditto. so, okay. So here's the thing, though. I think everyone who was interested in seeing Halloween Kills either saw it or is willing to just watch it at home at this point. So I think I don't think it makes significantly more money in the next two weeks, and then it won't matter anymore because November fifth is Eternals. Um, after Eternals, I don't know. I, I tend to think November fifth Halloween Kills makes a resurgence, and the Eternals debuts at number two. Shut up. Um, yeah. There's not <laughs> <laughs> Eternals has a two week run of uh, of because of the the twelfth is all Netflix and yeah. streaming stuff. There's there's no competition on the twelfth. But then Ghostbusters comes out the nineteenth, and then um, we have the week of Thanksgiving, which is Encanto, House of Gucci, and Resident Evil. Because let's put all the movies on one day. Hey. Um, and then December third is nothing because the Guillermo del Toro movie moved to the middle of the month. Uh, West Side Story comes out the 10th, and then we're pretty much into the end of the year with Spider-Man, Kingsman, and Matrix 4, and for the kids, Sing 2. So, like I said, the, the discussions of Halloween kills and its money are pretty much done at this point. 
And yeah, it, it'll keep trickling in money for the rest of its run, but yeah, it's it, not. It did what it needed to do. It like a debate. It uh, debuted early in October to gain, you know, to get whatever money it was going to make from the, you know, from the Halloween audience. Which I would was be smart. The most significant data point to me, and this will be the last thing we'll move on, is how many new subscriptions for Peacock did it generate, and will there be churn or will there be retention? And we don't have an answer to that right now. It's more of a it's more of a thought exercise question. Unless you're a unless you're a shareholder in NBC Universal, you're probably not going to get a straight answer. Right. Either. But I would be. But that would be. A, Five. I think. I mean, it's already financially successful because of its small budget, um, and the interest that it d did have. So on that level, you know, they're all you know they're all shaking Jason Bloom's hand and saying, "Good job, buddy." Um, forward to the next one. But I would. I think the more interesting thing is. Was the experiment of putting this day and date on Peacock beneficial, or did they cannibalize even more money that they could have made? And we don't know the answer to that right now. Um, I think what was the what was the stat that I showed from uh, I shared with the group from Samba, Robert? Was it like a million people watched on Peacock, or or oh, am I imagining like that. that? I don't yeah. remember exactly. I feel like Samba reported that a million people watched it on Peacock, which is not bad considering the other stuff no. that I've shared from uh, Samba TV. Didn't know a million people had Peacock. <laughs> yes, because people still watch wrestling pay-per-views. God damn it! Do they? Right. Do they though? Speaking of speaking of God well, damn it. Well, hang uh, on. Speaking speaking of wrestling, Crown Jewels on Thursday. Sure is, and if you yeah. have Peacock, you can watch it. Ain't watching. Uh, I'm reviewing it, so I have to watch. What was me? I have alternate means of watching, and I still ain't watching it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yar. All right, speaking of, speaking of pirates. Are you ready? No! I said, are you ready? No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 All righty. Well, as you can see, the critics and the audiences do not agree on this one. Shock the, critics, <laughs> the critics hated it with 39% uh, rotten at 182 reviews, and the audience just loved it. They bathed themselves with it. They smeared it all over the... Never mind. They had sex with the car is what I'm trying to tell you at uh, 71% with 2,500 well, plus. Was it a Pinto? <laughs> it was a gremlin. Pinto was. Uh... I'll be right back. <laughs> Halloween kills. <laughs> Halloween kills should satisfy fans in search of brute slasher thrills, but in terms of advancing the franchise, it's a bit less than the sum of its bloody parts. And the audience says, <laughs> "Raw, raw, we're an angry mob." Sorry. Um, Halloween kills doesn't do much to move the Michael Myers saga forward. But viewers looking for hardcore horror violence won't be disappointed, and they weren't neither. Listen. There was nothing hardcore about that. <laughs> okay, I love that you did that, but I didn't know what you were doing because I wasn't on the page, and this is still an audio medium on some platforms. Could you please share with the, with the class what you're showing and telling? Uh, no, I'm holding a very large kitchen knife in my hand. Okay. Wonderful. Hang on. Hang on. Oh, for fuck's sake. We're, now we really are doing show and tell. When did this become a problem? Oh, here we go. See, this is why I hate doing video. Oh. Ex 
except you, to see Michael, ha- except to see Robert have an aneurysm. You knew what you were getting into when you invited me. I'm a big fucking ham. <laughs> okay. <sighs> All right. Now it's now it's a who, who's this bigger? Uh, oh, for God's sake! All right, girls, you're both pretty. Stop showing us your stop showing up your size, your, size your, of my arm. Indeed. Thanks, Ric Flair. All right. Um, <laughs> Holding the apple. You, 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 you want to touch it, Mark? <laughs> Not while the camera's on. My kids might see this. Um, Sean Edwards. Putting mine away now. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is, Edwards of Fox 4, Kansas City. This is almost the size of Brock Lesnar's tattoo. That's what she said. Michael Myers <laughs> isn't exhausted. <laughs> Michael Myers isn't exhausted yet. One out of five stars. No, but you are, clearly. Why would Michael Myers ever get exhausted? Yeah, because he said he's a power walker. Dude, he's one of those. You have, oh, walkers. You have, that early Sunday you morning. have, you have to respect the cardio. If he's got yet sick cardio, he's. Uh... You have any idea how hard it is to keep up with someone who's running while making it look like you're just walking? So I love I this under, next I one. I understood uh, that reference. I'm yeah, like you. <laughs> I'm going to have to read this one more often, Robert. This has become my new favorite place to read reviews from. Envy Moorhead of Less Hat Moorhead. Less Hat. Eh? Less Hat Moorhead. Do you get it? You're fired, for, you're fired for a third time, Robert. Or, uh, Mark. If there's something this guy's not getting, it's Moorhead. Something really interesting could have been done with all this, but the whole movie is muddled and slow and clumsily structured and very much unlike the original, it falls back on gore. I wish there had been more gore, not the amount they show you here. Yeah, not wrong. Not wrong. Ultimately, that's a fairly accurate review, all things considered. So good on you, sir. Hopefully you can find an employer so you don't have to work for yourself, you loser. John John Dang. Urban's that's that's a running gag here. Then you're gonna have to do more of these to know to, to know the special lo- la- love language that Robert and I speak to each other. John Urban Sitch of J Movies with a U. It's movies with a U, Robert. You jerk. <laughs> this is the best part of the show. Hey, I meant to mention I, I meant to say this before. This this segment of the show was brought to you by Grammarly. Fuck. Who would, hang on. Grammarly would not have let this idiot spell movies with a U. <laughs> Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake free on Facebook, Gmail, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly everywhere else you write on the man. web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuation. Spelling mistakes will also man, catch you. It's upside textual down. Errors. I know. Every- <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> everywhere else you write on the web, Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuation. Spelling mistakes will also catch contextual errors. Improving your vocabulary and adjusting style improvements. You download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M Network. Again, it's getgrammarly.com slash W2M Network to download Grammarly for free. Spell movies without a U. Anyway, back to J Movies with a U. Very early in this inconceivable 12... using that word. Slash buckling. Slash buckling. Slash buckling film adventure of boogeyman michael myers a character actually says he needs to die thank goodness the franchise agrees since the ends is due in 2022 
Guess what? Look, I hate to tell you how these things go, buddy, but since you see, you appear to be new to not only the film review game, but understanding how <laughs> IPs work in 2021 in the Hollywood scene, you're getting a reboot two years later, and you're going to like it. Trace Thurman of Horror Queers Podcast. Why is Horror Queers Podcast the on fuck? here and we're not? What the fuck is that all about? <laughs> No, wait, I don't care about, like, that a podcast is on here. I want to know why theirs is and ours isn't. Like, that's not fair. You want to know why? I demand representation. Mark, do you why? really want to know why? Because I can tell you why. Because they have listeners? Yes. Audience <laughs> size. <laughs> it's, not, it's, it's not the size that matters. Moving on. It's not hey, all about the size. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> she said. Hey, oh, Colossal. Hang on. I have I have visual aids for this because I've got this. Keep your Hang pants on. on. I can't tell you this every podcast. Keep this. your pants on. See, look. I, all right, I, I, I got a herring knife. Thanks. I actually made this one. Me, me and Robert knife. have we and Mar, me and Robert have never had a chance to compare knife collections. So this, you know, this might be the longest we've ever discussed anything but the film. <laughs> um. So no, no, we. we Mark, how long did we spend talking the lineage of Captain America's shield? That was a TV show. Custody? That was different. Um, and that sure. someone had to do with the show. Not you guys pulling out your knives going, mine's bigger. A colossal disappointment. Speaking of bigger knives. That barely qualifies. <laughs> that qualifies as a movie. The kills are great, but there's just not much else here. What a waste. Much like every bit of time you spent reviewing this film, I suppose. Peter something Polish of efilmcritic.com. <laughs> Why does it got to be Polish? Because that's uh, not Polish. Peter the Polak. <laughs> that's racist. Um, uh, for the record, I tend to agree with Mark. That's, that's very Eastern European, if nothing else. But not Russian. While I cannot say that this is the worst Halloween film in the world where the, where the Rob Zombie versions are allowed to exist. Guy, okay, hang on. Stop, stop, stop. Just for one second. You people complaining about the Rob Zombie movies. I'm not saying they're perfect. I'm saying some of you never saw Halloween 5, which is so bad it's in the public domain. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. Okay. Peter something Oops. Polish of efilmcritic.com. Well, I cannot say that, that it is the worst Halloween film in a world where the Rob Zombie versions are allowed to exist. But an excellent case could be made that this utterly pointless exercise in tedium is the worst of the ones featuring Jamie Lee Curtis. No, because I saw Michael Myers and Busta Rhymes, sir. <laughs> yeah, Halloween Resurrection makes all arguments irrelevant. It Happy really Halloween, does. motherfucker! It, it um, really does. It's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Brennan about Boulder. Green's film was shot in the autumn of 2019, so he couldn't have been influenced by the rampant stupidity we all experienced during the 2020 pandemic. Yet he captured the chaos and selfishness surrounding people who were dealing with a problem poorly. That's a poorly constructed paragraph is what that is. You, you, <laughs> you haven't quite established whether or not the poorly Grammar there is discussed. Grammarly how would have he... helped that. Really would have, buddy. <laughs> We're offering a like you need our service. <laughs> Eric Childress. We, should, do. we should just find these people <laughs> and just like tweet them the Grammarly link. And yell evil dies tonight on their no, lawn. No, no, no. 
Just, just tweet yeah. them the gra- tweet them yeah. the Grammarly link. <laughs> Eric Childress of eFilmCritic.com. It is stunning how the people who purport to be fans of the original and then get to make new ones don't understand how the stuff of nightmares is the stalk and the chase, not the kill. Plus, horror-blowing social commentary this badly is embarrassing. He's not wrong about pretty much any of that. Like, <laughs> the best, I mean, Michael Myers is at his best when he's in the back like, for the setup when he's in the background. That's true. And I wouldn't say this one completely blows its social commentary the way other horror films of the last three to five years have. Not going to name names. Here's some of them we've reviewed. <laughs> that seemed like a blanket statement, though, and George Romero would have issue with that if, uh, if indeed it, it was. If, Chris, yeah, if he's talking horror from all time, then yeah, Romero, Romero's commentary at times. No, well, you know, at times George Romero was the patron saint of uh, horror, of social commentary and horror, and in, in other instances, he was, you know, he was the uh, scourge of. Uh, social commentary in horror movies. Yeah, so, I'm gonna yeah. read two more here, and I'm gonna call it a night. Uh, Chris Evangelista of Slash Film. Uh, Halloween Kills perhaps wants to be the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy, the darker middle entry that keeps things open ended for the big dramatic conclusion. That's fine in theory, but ampersand, and then then it cuts off. That, that's an ellipsis, not an ampersand. First of all, Kurt, yeah, sorry. I I had you, think... you're shilling grammarly. You should know the punctuation marks <laughs> if nothing else. So it ends in so it ends in three question marks and an and an exclamation I, point. Move on. I did I did I did have an Empire Strikes Back reference that I was gonna make about this because uh yeah uh Halloween kills its biggest saving grace and its biggest detriment was is probably going to end up being that it's the middle part in the trilogy. And I know they were going for Empire Strikes Back, but they they fell somewhere a little bit closer to Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. That's, Matthew, that was Ma- Matthew Bond of the Mail on Sunday. You or Zombies 2. Not so much. <laughs> Damn it, Teasley. <laughs> not uh, so much trick or you're treat. Not wrong, not even you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong, man. Not so much trick or treat, just terrible. That's not a very helpful review. It's really not. Um, I haven't read any of the top critics. Here's trick or one. treat, motherfucker. <laughs> Roxana Haddadi. They fade away. Uh, <laughs> they fly over. They fly over. Uh, Fox 10 Phoenix, top critic, Red Star. A repetitive. Blood-soaked slog. Halloween Kills offers a few ingeniously gross moments, but otherwise is more mind-numbing than hair-raising. Not entirely unfair. Mm. I wouldn't... You know what? Hang on. I actually might take a little bit of issue with that. I don't know what in this movie would have necessarily qualified as mind-numbing. It's not all great, but... I think if this movie were 20 minutes longer, like then you could make the case that it genuinely numbed the brain. Hey, this, is a, this is a good one. Rob Rector of Film Threat. Just who is this film for? Well, <laughs> any of the millions of people that saw it, apparently, you douchebag. Well, look, man, I'm part gorehound. It's in my DNA. There's clearly an audience for this. There should, that should not be the question that you ask of a Halloween movie. Like, if you're asking who is this for, you are the one wildly out of touch with reality, yeah. sir. 
It didn't check uh, every box, but it checked a few of them. So, so Ben, I don't know if you've ever been on a damn you Hollywood before, but part of the reason we do this bit is because I want to see if I can close Robert to have an aneurysm, just completely stroke out on the podcast. It's happened once or twice. This is a man who is the kind of like my doppelganger in the sense that, like, while I freely curse and make an art out of it, um, Robert will restrain from cursing because he wants to go to heaven. But occasionally, but occasionally, I drive him to the point of madness, and out comes a fuck bomb that is so glorious, my pants shoot off, and liquid goes everywhere. So, with that said, <laughs> I don't think you're. I don't think this this particular movie is going to engender that much. Uh, the point is to read, to read the reviews that make that drive him over the edge. And I think that I found either, one. These are some. These are some what? tepid reviews. Yeah. Okay. You got Look, one. Let's uh, hear it. You, okay. you, find right. the, you find the one who, who complains that this movie's too nihilistic, and we might be getting there. Walter Shaw, Decider. Green's Halloween Kills is grim to the point of nihilistic. It's ugly, sadistic, mean. There's not a thing that's conventionally enjoyable about it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't even have to keep that open anymore. The, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy for, I, the I'm, show. No, I'm, I'm just going to say, once again, you people didn't even take Philosophy 101 if you think that this movie is grim to the point of nihilism, you that could that moron. could describe that could describe a lot of that could describe the American remake of Funny Games. Like that's <laughs> can describe with, the original Funny Games. They, well, which is which is was a shot for shot. The American remake was shot for shot from the same director, and they're they both made me want to throw a shoe at the TV. So. Uh, I mean, yeah. Look, if this guy wants to experience nihilistic filmmaking, there's some. You mentioned funny games. Um, yeah. There's the one starring Michael Fassbender. Uh, what was it? Eden Lake. That I think kind of gets towards that point by the end of it. Um, oh, what was the... There's... Um, what was it? Strangers? The Liv Tyler one? Uh, there's a yeah, bunch of these. That just, prisoners with prisoners. Uh, Hugh Jackman. Um, Is that Hugh Jackman? Yeah, Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jake Jackman. Gyllenhaal. They're both in it. Right. Um, oh, what's the... Um, Okay, well, I mean, speaking of Gyllenhaal, Nightcrawler is one of the most yeah, it is. self-indulgently nihilistic films that exist because of what it talks about as far as the, the state of humanity. Yeah, it is. If you want something that more deals with the kind of existential, ni- existential nihilism, might I recommend the French film Martyrs, which ends, oh, on, God. Such a, which ends on the most horrifying oh, God. note. All right, Jason, go ahead and plug your uh, your fantasy football podcast, and then we'll start wrapping up. All right, it's second and short. You can find it on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, Tyler's got it everywhere, <clears throat> just about. And if anybody actually listens to this, which there's a few of you, and you have a significant <laughs> other, uh, definitely check out my wife's podcast. Uh, outside of anybody that's on this show, if anybody else listens, uh, you have a significant other, uh, you can check out my wife's uh, podcast, um, and I'll plug that for her because if not, then she won't let me spend four hundred dollars on a video game uh, video game cabinet to put in my office. I said I'd plug it. I didn't say I'd give it the fucking name on the show. All right, the next allow, time you allow me to help you out, then I believe it's home is where the. Isn't home is where the hallmark is? Yeah, it's home Something is where the hallmark is. Which I came up with that name, and I right. and I don't and I never got credited for it. They can kiss my ass. 
<laughs> All right, so Jason it's has been. It's on the chair shot network. Jason has been wanting me to watch the show You, which is um, either just starting or is about to start its third season. It, so it dropped. Gonna... Yeah, its third season dropped the other day on Netflix. So we're going to yes. start with season one. We're going to do three shows, one season apiece, hopefully before season four comes out. The first episode, the first season, rather, <laughs> of You that myself and Jason are going to be reviewing will be Friday night when I get home from last night in Soho. And that'll be the 29th of October, and that'll air um, overnight on October 30th. And then um, and about a month after that, we'll do season two. And then in March, because fucking January and December is so, and February is so packed. Um, I was kind of glad Doctor Strange moved because it actually opened up my schedule a little bit. Um, we'll go ahead. You'll, you'll get the, uh, the remainder of that. So I'm excited. Jason's really passionate about this show. I'm excited to talk to him about it. And um, and he'll also be on the the, the next Dan of Hollywood. I think he'll be on will be the uh, review of Resident Evil. Reckon, uh, Reckon City. Yeah, Reckon yep, that's City. That's one. That's the next time. All right. I, I think that's the next one I'm on. Yeah. All righty, Benjamin J. Cologne and all the things. What do you do? What do you do with all your things? Yeah, as I had the presence of mind to do on this podcast that I didn't have a chance to do on the uh, previous one was put my uh, my contact info there. Yeah, I am Epic Benjamin J on all of the things that includes uh, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and Discord, um, where you can intermittently find me posting my various uh, bits of artwork. Um, I'm trying to get back on a regular schedule with Twitch, but I'm also uh, trying to reconcile that with having a 40 hour a week day job, which is not easy. Um, we'll see what happens when, uh, you know, after this weekend and, you know, some personal uh, commitments uh, clear up and uh, we'll see if I can get back on some kind of semblance of a regular schedule. Um, in the meantime, uh, also, uh, you know, related to Rattlers and Broadcasting Network, we have at least one uh, other podcast that's already in the can from a couple of weeks ago that I recorded. It's Source Material with Jesse Starcher. We talked about uh, Spider-Verse, which is the all-encompassing uh, Spider-Man uh, massive crossover series that inspired in part the uh, movie Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where you can see me... Uh, you know, where you can at least hear me downing a few more of these to the point of near incoherence. And uh, I'm going to take this opportunity also. I had a shot reserved from um, uh, for earlier that I didn't get a chance to uh, consume. This is a Chicago shot glass, which is as close to Haddonfield, Illinois, as I have in my possession. I'm going to consume it right now and uh, encourage all of you to uh, follow me on all of the social medias. So here's to you. Making the most of our video platform. Um, all I'm right, a ham. I'm going to we're, we're going to have we're going to do this triple feature, Ben. I'm now committed to this. I don't know when we're going to do it because <laughs> I'm like overscheduled for the next three months. But we're going to. We, me, and you are going to talk Titan, the counselor, and and uh, what was it? The what was the third? Uh, the carbon, the John Carpenter one. Christine said Christine. Christine. What did I? Yeah. Uh, what did I? What did I drunkenly talk myself into? <laughs> so, I'm not even. That I'm not even. I, I'm not even going to remember two months from now. That's okay. Uh, that'll be, that'll be about when on, I schedule it. Yeah. For the record, Christine is based on a not the Steve. worst Steve, not the worst Stephen King book. It's pretty good, and it's a damn good uh, adaptation. Um, so, well, one of the ones that well, gets kind of forgotten a little bit is because 
unfortunately forgotten. Yeah, I don't know if you're into Guillermo del Toro and all, but we're going to be in. I am. We're going to review Nightmare Alley if you're up for that one. Just let me know. I might. uh, I have seen every single Guillermo del Toro movie since Blade 2 in the theater. He is one of my Mm -hmm. favorite filmmakers of all time. So, yeah, if you're up for that, let me know when it gets a little bit closer and we'll we'll get you in there. In the meantime, in the meantime, um, this week we dropped our we re-aired our Peanuts review. Uh, to coincide with the release of Raw has Gone Wrong by kind of the same distributor studio, et cetera, et cetera. Myself and Dave Wright reviewed the 1984 Dune movie. We had a fun hour talking about that. This morning, we re-aired the conversation Gavin and I had about the Mummy trilogy with Brendan Fraser. Tomorrow, um, we will be doing our Mania of WrestleMania show, this time focusing Woo-hoo. on 8 and 9. <laughs> The rise and fall of Ric Flair, as I'm subtitling it, uh, <laughs> in the WWF. <laughs> um, and then in the evening people. time, in between time, myself, uh, Jesse Starcher, oh. and Robert Cooper will be reviewing... Oh, I have a bad joke I could make. I'm not going to make it. Ice Nine Kills, The Silver Scream 2. Welcome to Horror World. Oh, um, and then Thursday, continuing uh, talking with Pat, we are getting into the fights now. Uh, the Four Kings of Boxing, Chapter 5, Leonard and Duran, 1 and 2. Uh, Friday, we have re-airings of uh, Cradle of Filth, uh, Hammer of the Witches, and that's to coincide with the, dro- with the release of Cradle of Filth, Existence is Futile. And I think I scheduled a Duran, uh, not Duran Duran, a Dream <laughs> Theater uh, review that Robert Cooper did on one of my hiatuses back, I think, around the time that my son was born. Uh, which would have been 2014. And that's with actually Sean Garmer from Video Games to the Max, Doc to the Max, and uh, whatever else he's doing. So that's a that's a blast from the past. I think both of those are going up this Friday. I know the Cradle of Filth one is. And then um, on Saturday, we start kicking off our march towards the new Paranormal Activity movie. Um, we are re-airing the first, uh, our review of the first two movies on Saturday. And then the... Uh, Paranormal Activity 3 and 4 on Sunday. Myself and Ronnie Adams are going to review The Last Duel. We'll have a review of Crown Jewel 2021 on Monday. And then myself and Sean Comer will be celebrating the something anniversary of 20-year anniversary of Donnie Darko by putting that on trial. Um, Guilty. (laughs) Certainly Sean thinks so. Um, Leave my childhood alone. Myself, take my, off your take off the rose-colored nostalgia glasses. That's all I. That's all I ask. Myself, David Wright, who has committed to all the things Dune, and Jeff Sloboda uh, of the MCU Bleeding Edge, and of course myself and Robert Cooper, Robert Winfrey, rather, will be reviewing Dune twenty twenty one. The twenty seventh is our review of Halloween self titled new album Halloween, and continuing. Hey Robert, remember when we did a split seven inch? Me and you. We did a split seven inch of Gem in the Holograms. I do. And <laughs> Paranormal Activity, the Ghost Dimension. Well, I'm re airing that on Thursday, the 28th. And in the evening time, Gavin that, uh, will be back. That required some interesting machinations on my part. Because if you'll <laughs> recall about the ghost, about that particular paranormal activity, mm. it was in the midst of a, gri- of a conflict between that particular distribution network and pretty much every. St- uh, theater chain mm. known to man i literally could not find a showing within a 90 minute drive of where i live i'm sure we talked about that and you'll hear all about it the, uh thursday the 28th 
In the evening, myself and Gavin Napier will be reviewing Ted Lasso Season 2. And then on Friday, we'll have a triple feature of Scooby Beats Courage, Muppet Haunted Mansion, <laughs> and My Little Pony, The Next Generation, Raw Raw, We're an Angry Mob. That's Corn on the Cob. His name is Rob. Well, yeah, two, of those, two of those sound okay. Uh, the aforementioned you season one, and then our new our uh, trip to trivia uh, on horror movies will be Saturday, October thirtieth. Oh, um, real quick, sorry, I forgot to mention this. In theory, we have a new member of the Rattlers and Broadcasting Network, um, and if it all works out according to plan, he and I will be doing a live stream review coverage of Jamel Herring versus uh, Shakur Stevenson. But if he drops out, I'm going to Shanghai Robert into it. What day is this? Saturday. What time? Um, the, the broadcast on ESPN doesn't even get started until 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock your time? Um, oh, yes. Whitechapel does have a new album coming out. We cannot <laughs> we cannot get it on, uh, on the schedule. But yes, I am aware of Whitechapel's new album. Um, okay. And so your question relative to the conversation at hand. It's the 23rd. It's the same. Your your Costa versus Vettery fight will be long over by then. It starts at you, 4 and ends at 6. What? The the UFC card is... Okay, the, so they're trying... The main card starts at 4? Yes, that's what that's what it says on my calendar here. Stop arguing with me about it. It starts at 4, it ends at 6. It gives you plenty of time oh, to do crap. all the things. No, and that then, do- no, that doesn't give me time. Anyway, Ew. for my needs, it gives you all the time. Um, so if he bombs on me and, and fails out, I'm going to Shanghai Robert into covering Jamel Herring versus Shakur Stevenson on ESPN. Yeah. Live stream. Yay. I'm sure I can. I, I, you know what? I can't sell that. I can't even pretend loosely to care enough about Shakur Stevenson to. Yay. I'm a quasi, de- I'm a defensive quasi savant and I'm, I've clearly got pound for pound potential, but you don't hit very hard. And your personality is a really sad mix of Floyd Mayweather and Gervonta Davis. So good luck with his, that. His, um, the, I, I almost put a bet on him to win the fight, but his odds are like such that if you bet a hundred dollars, you only make 10, which makes no sense to me. Boxing odds are boxing odds tend to be odds tend to be very, very wide like that. This is, a, it's not a full setup fight for Stevenson, but it's mm-hmm. pretty close. All right, do your plugs real quick. We are at the two-hour mark. All right. Uh, let's see. This last week, I did my usual stuff. I cover professional wrestling a few days a week over at 411mania.com, AW's Dark Elevation on Monday, MLW's Fusion Alpha on Wednesdays, and uh, WWE SmackDown on Fridays. I will be covering Monday Night Raw this next Monday. The regular guy had some kind of technological issue. I almost got it. I they asked me to do it yes uh, yesterday, but sadly I couldn't make that work. But I can for the next week, so you'll get me on Monday. I'll have to watch a three-hour RAW, but fortunately it won't be a three-hour RAW with Charlotte Flair. Unfortunately, Charlotte Flair is now on SmackDown, so I have to see her horse face every week. Her horse face and Sasha Banks's hydrocephalic head are just going to collide in the worst ways possible. So. Can look forward to all of that. Uh, if you're interested in my take on professional wrestling, you can follow those. Again, they're over at 411mania.com. I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast on Sundays if you're so interested in that sport. 
and I cover UFC events for 411 Mania in the MMA zone. This last week, we had a pretty terrible card that had a lot of terrible fights, including one of the worst fights of the year. I could out you to all of our audio listeners right now, but I won't. <laughs> uh, this coming week, we'll have, as Mark mentioned, Paulo Costa and Marvin Vittori in the main event should be a good fight. And apparently it's a slightly earlier card. So I'll be over there. Please do come by, have a listen, follow along. If you're interested in the sport, I appreciate it. Damn you, Hollywood, for Dune next week. And I hope you'll all be back for that because I will. I'll be here. This is one of the things I do. It's one of the, thing Mark, one of the things Mark does, too, on occasion. When he feels like it. Much like his terrible, terrible intro bits for me that uh <laughs> you, did an, you did an Eminem song last week. <laughs> you done now? Yes, I'm done. So all thank right. you all again, everyone. For, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Look, let me do the outro this time. Why not? Thank you, sir. So all of you, thank you for listening. Please interact with the product a little bit. Like, comment, subscribe, tell a friend, share on whatever social media platforms you prefer. If you're watching on Twitch, we do these live there as well as a few other live stream locations. Uh, on Twitch, please follow us. Follows are free. There's a little heart in the bottom right-hand corner of your screen. Give it a click. Follow us. That'll give you notifications about when we go live and you can help us build uh, what we're trying to build here. Get all of our uh, notifications for all the stuff that goes live over here. And if you want Mark's schedule on occasion when he remembers to post it, the Rydalton Broadcasting Network Facebook page, you can give that a like as well. All of that helps us out a whole lot. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a written review, please. Mark still has a terrible review that he would like to be cycled out. And there's a quick look for all of our video fans at the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is our lives. It's what it looks like. And you wonder why we can't get new people in. <laughs> uh so please that helps us all out we appreciate it very much thank you all very much until next time on behalf of jason teasley benjamin j cologne and mark radlich i'm robert winfrey please continue to be well be safe and behave